When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. We've got it all this morning. We've got breaking news. We've got game three to get ready for. We've got a ton of NFL. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. The breaking news this morning is that the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour have agreed to merge. Uh, Brooks Kepka who, of course, won the PGA Championship a few weeks ago. Think about that. It wasn't even just allowed in the major. Brooks Kepka's playing in the PGA Championship yeah. a few weeks back, and he says, welfare check on Brandel Champley. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, isn't it? That's pretty I good. I mean, the live golf tour guys, the players that defected from the PGA Tour are having a last laugh. Like, they get their cake and they get to eat it, too. They got the bag, and they still get to be a part of the PGA Tour. Yeah. Like, think about the cynicism uh, that was involved in terms of the rhetoric around the PGA Tour and why the Live Golf Tour was the boogeyman for the sport and why it was terrible for the game of golf. Think about it. Oh, we don't want to accept this Saudi-backed money, this hostile regime, and all of the things that they support and, you know, the, the involvement um, with terroristic threats to the United States, the 9-11, uh, re- you know, uh, t- uh, tie to it. it. It was all of those things as to why they should not be involved with the Live Golf Tour. Yeah. And then Jay Monahan says, yeah, we're going to merge with the Live Golf Tour because it's the best thing for the sport. It just screams of self-interest. Of course. Like this, this whole thing was about money. All of the different narratives that they threw out there about why the Live Golf Tour was bad – it was all about trying to protect the interest of the PGA Tour and in and, and their position in terms of their sovereignty over the game of golf. That's oh. all it was about. It was never about anything else. It wasn't about the PGA trying to stand on some moral high ground no. and talk about even how though they this were saying bad. it. No, no absolutely it wasn't not. about that. It was about them trying to protect their status, their station as the premier tour of golf in the world. That's all it was about. And keep in mind, this is the same guy that said, no, we're not going to come together, and no, we can't coexist. The same guy who said that, Jay Monahan. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a little tough to take from Jay Monahan on that front. I feel like people need to walk it back, though, with the criticism that they threw at Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka and and Dustin Johnson and all those guys for defecting. Because that wasn't right. We all knew it was about the money. We all understood that. The, the revenue-sharing model for the PGA Tour was grossly outdated, and it didn't represent the true value of what those players meant to the sport of golf. So they went somewhere where they felt like their value was recognized. Uh, okay, but also at the same time, I mean, Mickelson even said, at the, made all the comments that he made at the beginning that he got criticized for, and I get that. My bigger thing now is, what is this all going to look like? What is this all going to look like Moving forward, because for me, I don't want to see a tour where we start getting into teams and all that stuff. Like, what what did I miss that that all of a sudden this, you know, what golf was missing was teams. Like, people love the Ryder Cup. Now, I know that you have the affiliation with countries. I, I, I get it. 
But, I mean, th- there are a lot of tour events that a lot of people ain't paying attention to. Most casual sports fans only check in when the majors are going on. Maybe the team approach is a way to get more people involved in some of the other tour events, the other tournaments that are going on throughout the calendar year, and generate some interest by creating some more natural rivalries. When you've got teams you know, comprised of your favorite golfers going up against some golfers that you hate, maybe that can generate a little more interest. I'm not opposed to the idea, but what we're seeing in the sports and entertainment landscape is that you either adapt or die. And I'm not, I'm not going to criticize the PGA Tour for exploring an idea that another tour came up with in the Live Golf Tour. I, I just think, I think it's worth the good old college try, try it and see what happens. Um, but, but overall, I think this is what's in the best interest of the game of golf. The PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour, not having an adversarial relationship, but having a true partnership. It's Kenty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app in for Greeny today, presented by Progressive Insurance. The finals, as they continue tomorrow night in Game 3, this is something we talked about uh, leading up to the finals, as to what would a win of a championship mean to the legacy of Jimmy Butler and what a win uh, of a championship would mean to the legacy of Nikola Jokic. And firmly, I I have believed all along that a championship right now would mean a whole lot more for Jimmy Butler, considering the group that he is doing this with and what he has established as being the primary star on this team. And frankly, let's call it what it is, the talent that is around him, which is good. It is better than we have given it credit for throughout Mm -hmm. the course of the year, but it's still... A, not a star-level talent. This is the Pistons in 04. This is the, the Raptors from a few years ago. This is like that, and I would argue that this would be even more impressive, but you brought something up this morning that I thought was really interesting and how much a loss would affect the legacy of Jokic. Yeah, I mean, I think, the, the, I think losing the series impacts Jokic's legacy more than winning the series impacts Jimmy Butler's legacy if that makes sense. Like, I think the loss is what we would focus on if the Miami Heat are holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy just because it feels like this is a tailor-made opportunity for Jokic to win his first title. Everybody in their mama is talking about how this could be the beginning of a dynastic window for the Denver Nuggets, how the core players aren't going anywhere, the core guys being Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic. Think about the supporting cast that they have. KCP, a champion with the L.A. Lakers a few years ago. You have Aaron Gordon, who was a top five pick in his NBA draft class. You have Bruce Brown coming off of the bench. You have all of the pieces that you need to compete and win a championship. Not to mention, in order to win a title, three of the four playoff series you would have had to win are against play-in teams. When are you going to have a road and a finals opponent like the Denver Nuggets have this year that would be any easier? I just I just don't see that in the foreseeable future. So, yeah, if, if Nikola Jokic lost this finals to a team from a talent standpoint that's inferior to what the Denver Nuggets are, then you have to question just how great of a player he actually is. And you already had people out there this year questioning his greatness with the back-to-back MVPs, how he was the runner-up. Um, to Joel Embiid for the MVP this year. All the advanced metrics that say that Jokic is the best player in the league, win share, um, you, know, you, know, you know, all of the all of the numbers, all of the regular season accolades, all of the regular regular season success 
that Jokic has had with his team, the Denver Nuggets. All of that goes for naught if you can't be at your best when your best is required on the biggest stage that the game has to offer. So, again, I think a loss impacts Jokic's legacy more than a win impacts Jimmy Butler's legacy. Well, I think there are two things at work there. The idea of Jokic losing a championship based on the road that they have taken here, do we need to give some of those teams a little bit more credit than we're giving them, the Heat, for having gotten here, uh, the Lakers for having gotten to the conference finals uh, and then getting swept? Is that road a little bit tougher than maybe we're saying that it is right now? But also this, Chris, I think we both look at Jokic and the Nuggets and we think that there are going to be more opportunities in the next few years if they lose this year to win another championship. So I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but I don't think it would really kind of come into effect until later if he didn't win one or he only ended up winning one in his career and he got three or four cracks at it legitimately. You could look back on it at that point at this one and say, man, that's one. They really let, he really let slip through his fingers. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I, in other could, words, I don't want to grade it until later and I have a bigger picture of what his entire career is. Well, I mean, it's not going to get any easier from here, mm. you know, in terms of the opponents, the teams that they're going to be facing off against. I, I guess the West is a hodgepodge right now because you don't know what the future is going to be for a lot of the teams that are, that are you know, perennial, perennial powers. We don't know what's going to happen with the Golden State Warriors dynasty. We don't know what's going to happen with the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja. We don't know what's going to happen with the Phoenix Suns, with Chris Paul. He could potentially be on the outs. Uh, we'll see about DeAndre Ayton. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers. So there's a lot of flux in the Western Conference, but it's not going to be like that forever. And I'm just saying this year was a golden opportunity because there were so many question marks around all of those other teams. And we've seen that throughout the entirety of the regular season. Think about it. When you start talking about the top you know, teams outside of the top three in the West, they were all jumbled up. Teams four through 12 in the Western Conference were all within five or six games of one another at the end of the regular season. So it was a lot of parity. I don't know that we're going to see that same level of parity moving forward. I think you're going to see other teams ascend and close the gap to Denver, which is why they have to have urgency about getting this championship, the first one, if they truly are going to go on a dynastic run. Well, here's Jokic on being so close to winning an NBA final. I mean, it's a, it's opportunity, of course. Everybody who's playing in NBA wants to win a championship. I think that's a normal thing. But if we're doing, it's going to be the, probably the best thing we've ever done in basketball. If we don't, it is what it is. That is always another next year. If they win this championship down the line, are we going to grade it any differently because it would have been an easier one? I don't think we'll grade it any differently for them. I don't think they'll necessarily look at it that way. I mean, I could understand why they would look at it that way if he doesn't win more. You're right, it's not going to get easier. But if he does win a couple more, even with it getting harder, this might be one that if they lost, they would forget. Okay, so let me say it this way. Winning a championship legitimizes the MVPs. Mm -hmm. All of the naysayers got to go into their their quiet little shell. They're not going to be able to puff their chest out and say, I told you so when it comes to Jokic. And all of the accolades, all of the advanced analytics that say he's the best player in the league, they can no longer say he's just a paper champion or a numbers champion. He is a true champion because he's holding up the trophy. 
It's hard to win championships, point blank period, no matter who you do it against. All I'm simply saying is, how often are you going to have all of these things in your favor in terms of the quality of the overall opponent that you face, in terms of your team being healthy at the right time, um, in, in terms of a talent disparity with your finals opponent? All of the stars are aligned for Jokic to win his first title. If he, win it, if he wins it, that's great. It just legitimizes or validates him being the best player in the world. But if he loses it, can we truly call him the best player in the world? Can we call him the best player in the world if he loses this NBA Finals? I don't feel comfortable saying that. I just don't. When Giannis got to the Finals, guess what he did? He won. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's what champions do. He had an opportunity. He got to the Finals. He won a championship against the Phoenix Suns. Congratulations. He can now be viewed as a legitimate back-to-back MVP, one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world. In order to wear the crown as that dude – you got to win championships. It's called competitive greatness. Being at your best when your best is required. We need to see that from Jokic in this finals. And winning the finals does a lot for him. But losing it impacts his legacy and his perception even more so. It's Kenzie and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. In just moments... Slump or jump? Those quarterbacks this coming year. Yes, it's another device to talk about the NFL, and we'll do it in moments. Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny, ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. How about this from Scott Van Pelt? 
just tweeted this out a few minutes ago in relation to the Live and PGA Tour merger that is happening as of this morning. This from at not the fake SVP on Twitter. So you preach loyalty to a tour and convince guys not to take eight and nine figure deals based in part on that loyalty and in part on the source of the money. Then those guys find out on Twitter, you took the very same money. Nino Brown, always business, never personal. (laughs) SVP don't miss, man. He does not miss. But that's essentially what we're talking about, right? How hypocritical is it of the PGA Tour to tell the guys not to take the Live Golf Tour money on this basis and preach loyalty, and then you turn around and merge because you want the money that the Saudi-backed entity, the Live Golf Tour, has Jay Monahan does not come out of this looking good. and He, he doesn't care, though. Jay Monahan is all care. about the money. He doesn't care how it looks. I, he doesn't care clearly, how it looks. nobody cares how it looks. No, he doesn't care how it nobody looks. Cares cares it looks. Money. Nobody cares about any of the principles behind but, it either. But I'm just, I'm just That's sit, no I'm, surprise. I'm, I'm just sitting here. I, I, I would say I feel bad for the guys on the PGA Tour that didn't defect to the Live Tour, but they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. And kudos to the Live guys for getting their bag and being able to play on the PGA Tour. Uh, yeah. Kudos to them for that. I can't go that because, far. You no, know, I, I will go that far. Because yeah. you, you played yourself. You played yourself. If you, if you thought this was about anything other than money, you played yourself. Well, of course it was always about but, but money. That's not, but that's not what the PGA Tour and guys they were wrong for about positioning it that what way. Jay Monahan stands toward the Live Golf Tour was. Yeah. It was never about being on some moral high ground. It was about being able to control their sovereignty over the game of golf and being able to dictate the terms of engagement when it came to sharing revenue with the players. That's now out of the window. The Live Golf Tour blew that up. Believe it or not, the Live Golf Tour did the PGA Tour players a favor because now they're going to see more money that the tour is able to generate. Listen, there's no way Jay Monahan comes out of this looking good, and it it, it is remarkably hypocritical to his rank and file of guys after what they have been preaching. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So, no, no, I, you know what? I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. If you're one of those guys that took that strong stance against the Live Golf Tour mm-hmm. on a moral premise, are you now not going to play for the PGA Tour? I'd be no, pretty no, mad no, 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 don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite now. If you're saying you're not going to the Live Tour because of those, those, that moral premise mm-hmm. and their involvement in, in funding terroristic threats toward the United States and the tie with 9-11. If you're saying you weren't going there for that reason, are you now going to boycott the PGA Tour? I don't know, man. Probably not. They've got got decisions to make. You're a damn hypocrite if you don't. Yeah. Period. Those guys should be called out. Well, there's a lot of— They want to call out the live guys. Now it's time to call their asses out. Listen, this whole thing is full of hypocrites. It's uh, Of course, the whole thing was always about the money on every front. Yeah. That is, uh, occasionally, it's just funny that occasionally, I'll speak for myself here, mm. that I need to be reminded of that because I do jump into the naive category every once in a while. This is the first time in a while I haven't been learning a new offense, and that feels good having that and being able to focus on little parts of my game. And the season last year is what we got to see to start the season, right? And just continue that progression with him and be, again, up the key to the offense and makes it work. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So, we were talking about quarterbacks earlier today, and we wanted to get into 
we, we talk so much about who are the top few in the league, but who are the guys this coming year who are ready to either take the jump to the next level or who may slump back to the old, you know, or not even back to the old, uh, back to a lower level of play. So really all this is is just a cute device that rhymes for us to talk about more NFL. <laughs> slump or jump. Chris Canty, will Trevor Lawrence slump or jump in 2023? I'm going to say jump, but I'm not going to say it with my chest. There's something about being in the same system for consecutive all-seasons and having a guy like Doug Peterson who's known to be a QB whisperer and adding a player that was a former first-round talent in Calvin Ridley, a 1,000-yard receiver with the Atlanta Falcons. I just think the arrow is pointed up for Trevor Lawrence, and when you look at the landscape of the division, yeah, he's poised to have another wildly productive season. Yeah, listen, I think it's a jump. I, I'd be surprised. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. I, you know what I really love, Chris, is the fact that he can have a game where he goes out and throws four picks and then all of a sudden bounce back in the same game yeah. and play as well as he did after that. I think that shows me a lot. That shows, it shows me a lot of growth and mental fortitude, and he's finally out of a dysfunctional situation that he was in in year one. Doug Peterson is a good quarterback coach. Justin Herbert, slumper jump. I'm going to say jump. I mean, think about it. He's going to be paired with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, over the last four years, he's had three offenses that were top six in scoring and two offenses that were ranked first in terms of total yards. I think pairing him with an offensive line of offensive mind like Kellen Moore, Justin Herbert is going to take off this season. So I'm going to say jump. Yeah, I'm going to say jump too. I don't see any reason not to say jump. And boy, the receivers that they added, by the way, Quentin Johnson going to be good and the other kid whose name I'm Mike forgetting. Williams? No, not even just Mike Williams. Keep the other kid from TCU that they drafted is a fast kid too. Okay. In the third round, in addition to what they already had with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I don't see any reason to think that he's not going to take a jump. Russell Wilson. Slump or jump? He better jump. <laughs> he better jump. Answer the question! He, he better jump. I, I'm going to say slump. I'm going to say slump. I don't think it was an outlier last season. I don't think it was all on Nathaniel Hackett. I think we're seeing Russell Wilson decline. There's a reason why he had a career-worst six-game losing streak and set career lows when it comes to completion percentage and touchdowns. I think this is Russell Wilson um, aging out of being able to rely on his athleticism for second reaction plays. He's going to have to play within the structure of the offense, and he hasn't shown that propensity to do that in the past. So I'm going to say slump. Uh, I'll say jump, but it's more like a hop. It'll be better because I don't think it could be worse, and he has Sean Payton coming in. I don't think it's a jump back to the Russell Wilson of, you know, 2015, 2014, 2013. I don't think it's that guy, but I do think it's a guy that will go start heading back in the right direction. Mac Jones, slumper jump. I'm going to say jump. It can't get much worse than what it was having a defensive coordinator as your primary play caller, right? That, that The Matt Patricia experiment in New England was a massive failure, and you did it to the detriment of your second-year quarterback. Going into year three, pairing him with Bill O'Brien, the two worked together at Alabama during his last year, I think it's going to be a much more successful season. I like the pieces that they have around him this year, too. There is no excuse for Mac not to have a bounce-back year in comparison to what we saw in 2022. Yeah, I'm going slump. I'm not a Mac Jones believer. Okay. I'm just not. Bill O'Brien could certainly have a positive impact on him, but I, I, to me, 
he's just never been anything all that special as a quarterback. And it's only been a couple of years. I get it. But this is the year. If it's going to happen, uh, it, it's going to happen this year. I, I'm just, I have seen enough that I don't think that Mac Jones is a difference maker at the position. Uh, I'll give you two more. Lamar Jackson, slumper jump. 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 This is going to be a huge jump. Nobody has tape of Lamar Jackson in this kind of offense that Todd Munkin is going to be bringing to Baltimore. And think about the weapons that they put around him. Odell, you got Nelson Aguilar, you have Zay Flowers, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Devin DuVernay. The thing that all of those guys have in common, they're great in terms of run after catch, which is an element that the Ravens offense needs to feature in their passing game. And you couple that with having Mark Andrews, this is going to be a takeoff year for Lamar Jackson. I ain't saying he's going to throw for 6,000 yards like he talking about, but I absolutely think this is the year where Lamar Jackson cracks 4,000 yards pass. Agreed jump because they did give him everything that he needs around him. And I, I also hope it's a jump in terms of health. I know that's a crapshoot, but I hope in a big way that is a, a jump in terms of health. I don't want to see him scale back the run game all that much, though. I, I, he's still too electrifying to not have that be a big weapon in his arsenal. And lie. Now I got two more. Daniel Jones, slumper jump. I'm going to say jump. Having another year in Brian Dable's offense and then having a guy like Darren Waller that could dictate front and coverage and then adding that vertical speed element on the outside with Jalen Hyatt. I think this is a year where Daniel Jones is going to do better than 15 passing touchdowns, which is what he had last year in the regular season. I'm going to say jump. I'm going to say slump. Uh, and I'm going to say it's not going to be that much more, or not much uh, It's going to be worse. less than 15 passing touchdowns? <laughs> Can you have less? <laughs> I, just overall, it's not even necessarily about the numbers. It's about how the offense performs. I, I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. I don't see it. I think he's average at best. I don't think he's making a major jump. Last one, Dak Prescott, slumper jump. Slump. And all I'm going to say is you go from having Kellen Moore as your OC and play caller to Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Good luck. You and I agree on that. Slump for Dak Prescott. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Greeny, the podcast. Kansas City has been a dynasty. I think Pat Mahomes is definitely going to find a way to get more than four championships. As great as a once-in-a-generation quarterback that Mahomes has turned out to be, it's still going to be very difficult when the AFC is going to keep getting loaded each and every year. We may have seen his greatest, greatest sign of leadership yesterday in Patrick Mahomes. Cantia Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio, Series 6 M Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. So the Chiefs were at the White House yesterday. And toward the end of the ceremony, as they are all up uh, on kind of a riser near a podium where the microphone is, mm-hmm. the president has walked away and he's, I think he's shaking some hands. Travis Kelsey walks up to the podium. And is standing there for about a minute like he's, not, I shouldn't say a minute, let's say three, four seconds like he's about to start speaking. And out of nowhere, Patrick Mahomes comes up, puts his hand on Kelsey's chest, and pushes him back and says, not today. Yeah. You are not talking at the White House. That, I thought, was incredibly smart, instinctual, and impressive from Mahomes, you cannot let Travis Kelsey near a microphone at the White House. Well, that's why Mahomes' rating on Madden in terms of his awareness is a 99. <laughs> it's because he knows exactly what to do in every situation and how to read the defense, how to read the, the route and make the right decision. And the right decision was taking Kelsey off the podium before they handed Joe Biden the number 46 Chiefs jersey. That was absolutely the right move. There's no question about it. This wasn't the NFL draft. This wasn't the Super Bowl parade. This is the White House. Yes. This is a different level. So just understanding that and knowing Travis Kelsey has never been a stranger and never been uncomfortable in any situation, Mm -hmm. it could lend itself to him saying something that might be deemed inappropriate. So you you have been to the White House a few times and and notably once as a Super Bowl champion. Correct. At that time when you were there, were you looking at it like, we cannot let this guy speak today? Like, were you worried about anybody either getting up there and and saying something or anybody who may just go rogue? No, I wasn't worried about guys saying the wrong thing because I was with the New York Giants when we went as a team to celebrate our Super Bowl win. And those guys are conditioned based on the New York media, not to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that something can be misinterpreted, things can be taken out of context. So guys played it pretty close to the cuff, even when we were celebrating our Super Bowl. But there are some other teams that I played on that had we won the Super Bowl, I would not want certain teammates to get up there and speak. Really? On the microphone to the president. Just saying. It's- just saying, you, they, there are there's certain a few guys that immediately come to mind. There are there are guys that immediately come to mind that we absolutely cannot let speak to the president. Well, that under that, those circumstances, that sounds like a Canty top five. Here's Canty with the top five. Okay, Canty top five teammates that he would push away from the White House microphone for fear of them going broken arrow. Number five on my list, Pac number five, Jones. Pac-Man Jones. Some people know him as Adam. Some people call him Pac-Man. It really just depends on the time of day that you actually talk to him. If you get him before, you know, 8 p.m., he's probably going to be Adam. Anytime after that, he's going to be Pac-Man. He's like a damn gremlin. No food or drink after 8 p.m. at night. Because otherwise, it's going to end up bad, and he's probably going to end up in jail, and you might have to end up taking you with him. So, Number four. Number four. Number four. 
Terrell Suggs. Whoa. Terrell Suggs. Now, Terrell Suggs is actually a Super Bowl champion, and he's been there, done that before. And I guess because Ray, it was Ray Lewis's last ride that he got most of the pub there. But Terrell Suggs has got some great one-liners, and I'm just afraid that he would use the wrong zinger when he was at the White House with Joe Biden. Now, <laughs> the line that I always use, I'll lie for you, I'd never lie to you, that is out of the Terrell Suggs playbook. No <laughs> doubt, got to pay homage to my teammate. He's a great guy. Great to be in the locker room with. Great to be on the field with. He actually does a great job producing TV shows and movies. That's a sidebar. But Terrell Suggs is not the guy that I would want talking to the president on the microphone. Number three. Bart Scott. <laughs> Mr. King Wade. I'm glad that Bart didn't win a championship because I, I would be afraid of what he would say yeah. on the microphone talking to the president. I don't think he would be talking to the president. He'd be talking to everybody else and letting them know that he's the one talking to the president and not them because he beat everybody else. But Bart Scott, I would be terrified of what he would tell the president on his White House visit after winning a championship. I have to tell you, having worked extensively with Bart on the air in this format, there is always the chance that it could go haywire. And always. As, as somebody that I, I kind of viewed myself at the time as I'm driving the car and Bart is in the passenger side and the ride just starts to get a little too boring for Bart. Let me grab the wheel. Oh, yeah. He'll reach over <laughs> from the passenger side and grab the wheel and oh, swerve yeah. it. Let's see how fast this thing can go anyway. For his, for his own entertainment. Even, <laughs> no if it's not anybody, even if it's not funny or entertaining to anybody else, he just wants to see what happens. Well... Uh, it usually was pretty funny and entertaining to me as long as we weren't going to get fired. Number two. Which, I mean, I, I ended up getting fired all on my own anyway. Speaking so. of getting fired, you, you never really talk about a guy that's a top three player at his position in the NFL getting fired, but it seemed to happen to Terrell Owens every other offseason. And it's Terrell. It's Terrell Owens, exactly. Now, listen, I think he gets a bad rap. He was a great teammate to me when I was in Dallas on a rookie contract. Always looked out for me, looked out for the young guys. Not so much when it came to Jason Witten, Tony Romo, and other veteran players. Nobody attacked teammates like Terrell Owens, but nobody loved on teammates like Terrell Owens either, and people didn't see the softer side of him. Yet and still, we know him from some very memorable moments. Remember Terrell Owens when he was in the driveway doing (laughs) sit-ups because the Philadelphia Eagles told him not to come to training camp. That was one moment. The other moment, most notably when I was with the Cowboys, He was at the podium after we lost in 2007 to the New York Giants, and he was crying because people were attacking Tony Romo for going to Cabo San Lucas with Jessica Simpson and other unnamed players instead of of staying in Dallas and getting ready for the playoff game we had two weeks from the end of the regular season. Yeah, That's my quarterback. That's, yeah. my court. That's why you can't give T.O. the microphone when he's with the press. And, and let's be clear. Witten was there, too, and he never caught the heat that, T- that Romo did. And I understand why. He deserves the smoke, really though. Yeah. He, does deserve he deserves the smoke. smoke. He deserves yeah. the smoke. Number one. Steve Smith! I and saw I'm not talking about Steve. Saw. There you go. Steve Smith from Carolina Panthers fame. I played with him in Baltimore my last two years in the league. Steve Smith is a great teammate. But he's also a fiery teammate and would say whatever he needs to say to get under your somebody's skin. Steve Smith also not afraid to say or do whatever he needs to do to get teammates fired up. You know, Steve Smith was not afraid to get into fights with other teammates. And so I don't know if I could necessarily trust Steve Smith to say and do the right things when he got the microphone at the White House. And depending on who the president was at the time, wouldn't be surprised if Steve Smith took a shot at the president <laughs> verbally. 
Not literally, but verbally. Oh, I thought you were going to take a swing at him. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, right. And, and that's why he's number and, one. And that's why he's number one on the list. Just because of the unpredictability of Steve Smith. I sub, son. Steve Smith, we got to keep him all the way away from the microphone if he was at the White House. Well done. Well done. I like that yes. list. It's any, any surprises? I saw, son. I saw. Any glaring omissions? Not that I can think of, honestly. Okay. Not, not that I can think of. I was trying to think of some of our teammates around here, but not really. Listen, I will say this. Now, if we're talking about just figures in sports, not people that I play with, not people that we know, Kyrie Irving would have to be at the top of the list. Oh, my right? God. You can't, mean, let no Kyrie have Kyrie the, you can't let him have the microphone at no. the White House. No. I mean, do you let him go to the White House just in case? I mean, we're, we're throwing all all – measures of him staying away from the microphone but if you maybe. don't but if you don't let him go to the white house what kind of hell is the team going to catch for making that decision that's fair but then if the team just came out and said well we didn't want Kyrie anywhere near a microphone we'd all react with eh, yeah i get that makes sense yeah exactly. makes sense Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, in for Grinny. I I posed this question earlier to Dan Graziano because it happened to me over the weekend and I normally wouldn't do this I live uh a good distance away uh, from here. I live in South Central New Jersey. And so I was up visiting my mother the other day, and uh, I have some other friends in the area, a good hour away from my house that I don't see very often. And I dropped a couple of texts. Hey, you know what? Let me see about dropping in and saying hi to some people. Uh, one person got back and said, hey, my husband's under under the weather, probably not a great time. Another guy didn't respond, but then the old respond later, oh, I didn't see the text kind of thing. And then I didn't get one response from people who were very close to us. Mm -hmm. And I dropped in and it was fine. Mm -hmm. It was totally fine. But it just got me thinking, like, is the drop-in allowed anymore? Can you do it somewhat unannounced? I know it probably depends on who your friends are, and that's why I did it with people that I've known for 20 years. Yeah. But still, I think if I were on the other end, even as I'm doing this, I thought I'd be kind of annoyed by that. See, I don't have a problem with the drop-in, but my wife, Mel, has a huge problem with the unannounced drop-in. Now, when I say unannounced, I mean no call, no text, just knocking at your door. I was in the neighborhood. My wife can't stand that. She wants a half-hour heads-up if you're in the neighborhood, if you want to stop by. If you give a half-hour's notice then she's going to be more amenable to you coming through, and she's probably not going to say no if it's close friends or family. But if you just knock on our door, you want to talk about a lady that's going to be really upset? Yeah. My wife, Mel, would have a big issue with it. I wouldn't care, but then again, if you're just popping by and you don't give me any notice, don't be mad if I don't offer you anything to eat or anything to drink because you didn't give me a heads up. Don't be mad if my house is not in the best shape if it's not picked up because you didn't give me any notice. Don't, don't sit here and judge me or talk bad to me about other people in our circle about what my house looked like or me not offering yeah. you anything because you didn't let me know. Agreed. I, and as I'm doing that the other day, I'm not walking in saying, uh, you got any chips and maybe some jolt cola? You know, yeah. like, I'm yeah. not doing that. I yeah. don't expect anything. Yeah. It just is like, I, I'm a pretty personable guy, but at the same time, I don't know if I, don't I want you that. showing up. All right, thanks, Bubba. <laughs> I don't know if I want you showing up unannounced at my house. Bubba, I don't want him showing up unannounced. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 
or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.